0: Before we dive into the episode, I want to talk about my company, Virtual Assistant Staffing Agency. We do exactly what it says. We staff virtual assistants for business owners wishing to scale. Whether you need help with administrative assistance, bookkeeping, cold calling, content creation, data entry, lead generation, or even social media management, we can hire the perfect virtual assistant for your team. And the best part, it's only around $4 an hour. If you're interested in learning more, head over to our website, www.vastaffing.agency and book your demo call. Now, on to the show. What is up, everybody? My name is Brady Morgan. I am the host of the Entrepreneurs and Podcast. I am here with my good friend, Chris Terkai. He's the president of Centum Canada, one of the largest mortgage companies in Canada. Chris, what's going on, man? Not too much, man. Glad to be here. Glad to to jam. Looking forward to it. (laughs) (laughs) Appreciate you coming on. So I I told you beforehand, kind of gave you a little uh, preliminary up front of what the question is going to be. But before we get started, what's the dumbest thing you've ever spent money on?
1: How much time do you have? Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's a, there's a couple different ways I could take this. Like there's are and stuff. Like I know, I know you follow the content. Like I'm in the process of like selling all my like Rolex watches and everything because I'm just over yeah. it. But I would probably say, and the only reason I'm going this road is I'm, I'm seeing myself in the reflection. The dumbest thing I ever spent money on was like clothes to impress people. I didn't even like, mm-hmm. you know, and, and thinking that my value that I brought to people was in the first impression that I made and that I looked a certain way. And if I looked a certain way, that must mean this. And um, yeah, now, you know, like president of a national mortgage brand and uh, coming on a, coming on a podcast with a with a with a ball cap which is actually one of our offices yeah, it's a fan. cool hat it's a cool but hat. but like but like like a mario hoodie right so yeah I, I would say an absorbent amount of money on clothes thinking that I had to play the part and I think a big part of that was um, I, I'm still Canada's uh, youngest president of a, of a major financial institution but when, I, when when it happened I was 35 years old. So I had it in my head that like, okay, well then I better like really knock it out of the park with the wardrobe. And now almost five years later, I'm just over it. it was yeah. such-
0: no, I mean, it, what's crazy is I interviewed Bradley a little while ago and he said the exact same thing. He said, you, you buy things that you don't even like to impress people you don't even like, and nothing comes out of it. Other than now i got a bunch of stuff that I either got to return or just sell. So you're not the last person or the first person to say that, because I think everyone, especially my generation, I'm 25 years old. There's, there's an age gap between us, but we think people care and yeah. people just don't, which is crazy.
1: Yeah. It, it's never going to say on your tombstone,
0: Brady had a matey, amazing loafers.
1: <laughs> never going say that on your
0: tombstone. I mean, you, you can see right now I'm, I'm wearing house shoes. You probably can't see. I'm wearing Hi, house everyone. shoes. Like I, I, at the end of the day, I, I wear a t-shirt, I wear gym shorts every single day if someone has a problem with the way I dress and doesn't want to do business with me because of that, sorry. <laughs> so, and, and so and yeah, you're on, you're on that authenticity ju- uh, journey a lot
1: earlier than I was. So, yeah. well,
0: I, It's one of those things where there's, there's a lot of fake people out there. Um, and I just don't want to be one of those people. So, and you have to fight. I'll be honest. It is hard not to want to impress people. You have to fight uh, against that grain to say to yourself, like I just got to be me. I got to be unapologetically me, which is hard because you try to impress people. You try to change who you are, personality, character, uh, maybe even your integrity to be somebody you're not. And, and it's a bad path to go down. But Chris, let's dive into the episode. I mean, the first thing is you're, you're the president of a massive mortgage company. Why mortgage? Why did you get into the mortgage business?
1: Um. Well, I've, so, you know, the, the, the first thing people think is like, oh, he must really like money. And like, I love money i love money but it's it, it's a cool way to take to keep score um <clears throat> but what i really loved about it was the client experience mm-hmm. that was the part that like really really got me and uh I, I grew up working for the bank like i worked for canada's largest financial institution uh right from the date right like i was 17 because i was too old i was too young to work up front so i had to like work in the back counting the cash and stuff like that so like it's all i've ever really known but it wasn't until i got to the mortgage broker side that I just love the fact that when somebody's getting a mortgage, it's their most intimate, like we all act, we all act cool. We all act rich. We all act everything until that door closes. And I'm looking at your credit and you're telling (laughs) me about how you got no money in your bank. It's just the most, like people are willing to come to you and be completely raw Mm -hmm. and you have a responsibility to take care of them and to guide them. And then what I really, as I really started to get going, I was like, wait a minute. Banks have to follow handbooks. Banks are only there nine to five. Banks are employees. I got to get this guy out of my office. I got to do a good job so he doesn't tell my boss But then I got to get out of this office. Got to get this guy out of my office and I don't remember his name after. And when you're doing the most intimate transaction, you have the opportunity to make such a beautiful connection with them. Mm -hmm. I became obsessed with that. I became obsessed with the client experience, right? How do I, I? I tell every single one of my mortgage brokers this. My obsession became how can I do a mortgage application with you, Brady? And by the end of it, I could send you. And this is back then, boomer, a little bit of gray there, Instagram, <laughs> whatever. The goal was how could I create such rapport with you, build such trust with you, put content out there that made you feel like you knew me, that by the end of the appointment, I could send you a Facebook friend request and it wouldn't be weird. That was always the goal. And I just became obsessed with that. And then the opportunity came from being a mortgage agent to then running my own brokerage and empowering my own brokers with that. And then the opportunity came further to run the entire organization across the country. And that's, that's the narrative I try to get, get across. We've got nearly 2,000 brokers coast to coast. And uh, that's the message is what got me into it. What's really, really cool is like the narrative for me hasn't changed. Mm-hmm. My ability to get louder about said narrative has kind of grown over the years.
0: So, so would you say that trust is that factor? Because you, you got to think too, there, there's a lot of service-based businesses out there that probably don't care as much about the client experience as you, but you've had the success. So would you say that for someone else in a service-based business focused on creating that trust between you and said client?
1: Yeah. And like hundred percent, but it, it, it's really strange. It's like, I actually hate the word client. Like, I, like, I'd love to play it back. I'd love to be like, play it back and see if I had like a visceral reaction. Right. Like every single person you work with has the opportunity to be a friend. And, and what I mean by that is like, yeah, we're not, you know, every single client's not going to go have a beer with me after, but life is really, really short. And you might come together with somebody, forget who they are, forget name, where they're from, whatever. You might have, 15 minutes of time with this person you have 15 minutes to make the biggest impact on their lives that you possibly can and that doesn't necessarily mean with what you sell what you sell is just what you do mm-hmm. but I think it's that emotional connection that being memorable that following up after and doing something special for them like the challenge of being able to like kind of put a little mark on their heart for the rest of their lives I don't know that uh, as cliche as it sounds that's like a fun obsession for me that's uh I just want to add value to as many people as possible. And I want somebody to get off the phone and be like, wow, they really cared. And let yeah. me tell you, if you just focus on that, what you sell is completely and utterly interchangeable.
0: No, I think it's super important. And I, in my opinion, think a lot of people don't care about the experience enough. I think it's all about that front end transaction. Okay, you paid me. We're done. That's it. Um, which is interesting because I think there's a lot of people who aren't like you, Chris, the majority aren't like you. And I mean, I care about the client experience as well. But this is about you of, you have to get that person to trust you. First and foremost, but you have to understand that when people part with money, it's emotional, right? Yes. There's logic behind it. Of course, of lowest interest rates, this is cheaper here than there, but it's emotional that they're exchanging their hard earned money for something that you can provide. And when people take that client experience and throw it out the window You've just caused emotional havoc, in my opinion, on that person. They're they're never going to trust you. They're never going to trust the service that you're providing, even from somebody else. And like, this is perfect for us. Our perfect example was like in the VA business. You can get VAs anywhere, but you can get mortgages anywhere. But the first time somebody screws you over, the next person you talk to in the same industry, you already have your guard up. Because you think this doesn't work. Everybody's the same. So do, do you think that... Of, you know, the life cycle of business, right? I think you got lead generation, you got marketing, you got sales, you got onboarding for clients and you got client success, guest success, friend success, whatever you want to call it. Do you think that last component is the most important rather than the others? What's the last component? <laughs> client <laughs> success, client experience, et cetera.
1: Yeah. Well, you know what? Yes. Here's a prime example. Actually, I'll use use an example. This is not a paid endorsement <laughs> by any means whatsoever. Like you did a great job. Your follow up was super fast. Everything else so like for everyone to know like I'm I'm bullish on virtual assistants now and I wasn't. Like Brady knows like when I when I first came I was like I don't understand this. It took this a while. It took a while to get you to come through the door. Oh, 100%. And now I think we've got four or five of them and like mm-hmm. truth be told I wish I had like 10 more and we'll get there. <laughs> but the point I want to make is it wasn't client experience for me. Client experience was like, "Wow, this is a good company." It was, it was really the trust that you built and the impression that you made. Because I remember the first time I referred you, referred you to Carla, if you remember, and somebody else had picked up the email for you, and it had kind of gone sideways, and uh, something something had gone sideways just te- technicality wise. And, you know, here, here's the point of it. It's like, Carla came back to me and this is the impression that you made on me as a person, Brady, and, and, and as an entrepreneur, the minute it came back. So you refer someone you're saying like, look, I'm putting my name on this. Yep. I'm, I'm saying this company is great and it comes back bad, right? If there's not an emotional connection and you're not proven, you're kind of like, oh man, I'm really sorry about that. Well, let me think if I could try somebody else. Carla came back to me and said, look, this hiccup happened actually. And I was like, no, that's not Brady. I'm like, let, let, me send one, let me send one email to Brady. I guarantee this gets worked out. That's exactly what I did. Went to you directly, copied her, and I just knew, right? What is the value of that feeling I had about you and how you'd handle it? And that's something you just can't put a price on. It's so funny. Everyone gets caught up in like, you know, like, their, their post-cycle CRM and how much they're spending or their lead generation, their cost of acquisition and everything else, that mark you put on me, you cannot put a dollar amount on. It's something you can't really teach either. <laughs> no, and you can't teach it. And it's just like, so how do you do it? You just do better. And you genuinely have to give a shit. That, yeah. That's exactly what it is. Like you can't fake caring. And If you have to fake caring, then you just have to accept the fact that system, process, everything else better be top notch. But if you're a caring person, you genuinely care about what that person thinks of you and that organization, and everything else after after it's over. Those are the people that get more business. They have raging fans, and your cost of acquisition, which I hate that (laughs) reminds me. I hate that term. It's like how much does it cost me to get the cattle through the fence? I hate that. But like. Your cost of acquisition when you actually take care of someone is zero. They'll go out of their way to refer you and to work with you. again.
0: Yeah. No, I'm, I'm a big believer, you know, that they say uh, it's paid ads, it's, it's social media outreach their Facebook. I'm a big believer that word of mouth is the most powerful form of marketing you can do. All you got to do is be a good person. And, he, and here's another thing, Chris, I think a lot of people... They, they start to become an entrepreneur and this is fine just because of the, the money potential. That's fine. Everybody's in it for some sort of money, money motivated, et cetera. But what the component they miss is they jump from industry to industry because they're just chasing the money. They see someone else doing well and they chase that. My opinion, is the virtual assistant industry sexy? No. Is the mortgage industry sexy? Not unless it's a $50 million house, then Maybe. But that's not, it that doesn't happen all the time. But I, I am super passionate about what I do because I believe in it. And I think a lot of people, they, they don't deliver a good client experience. They aren't trusting because they don't care about their service or product. They just care about, Hey, this, this wasn't easy money. So on to the next. Yeah. So I, I think it's something like I, you can't teach it. You just have to be, get to be in that mindset of, I love what I do. I love who I serve. And it's all about serving provide value and serve at the end of the day. So let's talk about your personal brand for a second, because it's pretty massive on Instagram. Um, for someone that runs in the mortgage business and someone that has a big personal brand, I think that's interesting. You know, you have over 100,000 followers, you post quite a bit. Why do you have such a big personal brand? What, what is the purpose of that, especially being in something, in my opinion, kind of as corporate as mortgage?
1: Yeah, so it's I, I love this question because I, I don't think it's what people expect. Everyone's like, oh, what's the narrative? What's the narrative? How do you convert over and stuff like that? Um, I'd have the personal brand regardless of what I did. You know, like it, like if, if anyone that follows me, so it's at Chris Turkot underscore. I'm sure we can mm-hmm. look that up. Yeah, uh, follow me. And it's it, it's actually that handle pretty much on every platform. Um, doesn't matter what I do. Like, like if, if I worked at Starbucks, which trust me, some days being a barista is like a dream job. Uh, <laughs> the content would be exactly the same. It's just, it's like, and we'll get into it, but like, I had a really messed up life. I had a really messed up life. And like, all I care about is making an impact on people. That's, that's all I care about. And regardless of what I do, so the personal content, you won't see me like, like, yes, of course I'll share. You'll see in my stories, I'll share like something from Centum. Yes. There's a second company that I had up called Real Property Management was actually really, really big in the US. We, we own the, the Canadian rights to that. You'll see me share that content, but, but it's all personal brand stuff. And it's about perseverance, not giving up, being a good human. And um, so why do I do it and how, how, how do I help or how does it help business? Um, you know, kind of how we kicked it off, like with clothes and everything else. Like I only want to deal with people that, that resonate with who I am authentically. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you want to be around people that believe what you believe. And if you're around people that believe what you believe, well, guess what? The barrier of entry into your business is nil. They trust you. You're aligned right off, right off the bat, right? You want to talk about trust. Like if somebody has been following your personal brand, you've been giving them advice. You're answering those DMs. You're hitting them up in the comments consistently for what is it? eight oh my goodness nine years now on instagram like when we bring a broker over that's been following the personal content there is no selling there's no selling whatsoever that like everything is there they know me right down to my most intimate detail and when i say welcome to the family we're gonna take care of you it's not even about believing it they know that to be true Right. right so for me it was a way to tell my story it was to inspire people and um you know, really, really long term. I think it's just it, it's all about legacy for me, right? Like legacy for my kids, and legacy for anyone that that knew me, right? And um, a little, little, you know, didn't didn't anticipate going this route. But one of the most influential mortgage brokers in Canada um, died two days ago, 44 years old, freak bike accident. Just completely, he was cycling through a park and uh, wheel slipped off a cliff, smashed his head on a rock. He's 44 years old and has a 10 year old. And this guy is known. This guy funds more, this guy funds more business. I think he's like number four in all of Canada for mortgage funding, right? Baller to the extreme and you would never know it. On Facebook right now in like the Canadian mortgage forum or whatever, there is like almost a thousand people and you're learning about it after the fact one of the busiest brokers in Canada. there's A whole bunch of people being like I've only been in the business for 2 months. He took one of my phone calls and I'm not I'm in a competing brand of his and he helped me for an hour. Oh, I didn't know what to do. So he actually re- he saw that I was inquiring on this message board. He actually messaged me and helped me through that file. And like it's that whole thing of legacy, right? Like your legacy is every life that you've touched,
0: right? And that to me is that's the currency on social media. Everything else is secondary. So, so that leads me to my follow-up question. You know, growing on social media, I guess, more like a statement. You know, there there is no growth hack. There is no. It's just providing value at the end of the day.
1: Yeah, just show up, right? And like, le- like I've got very little flex on my Instagram, right? Like very, very little flex. There's, there's like I'm not flashing around. I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to be a can't Grant Cardone where I'm taking <laughs> money and. Leveraging a whole bunch of buildings and buying myself a whole bunch of stuff and then paying people interest on the new money I take in and everything. Whoops, am I saying all this so loud? Um, but like, yeah, it's like a Ponzi scheme
0: to me. Just, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> Going on the record, that guy ends up in prison in, in our lifetime. Anyways, yeah. in his, <laughs> anyways, but no, the point is, is like, there, there's, there's zero flex whatsoever. Every single time I put it in a post, I try to run it through a filter of like, does this add value to someone? Yep. And a lot of it is telling my personal story. And the only hope is that like how I've done it from day one. It's like, if somebody reads something that I write or something in the actual image, and that's the reason they keep going that day, or that's the reason they don't give up on something mission accomplished.
0: And I think too, and this is a tough for people to grasp, but with content, you say provide value. And a lot of people do provide value for a short period of time but they don't get that return on investment, right? No one's saying, oh, thank you so much for that post. It just touched my heart. But I think what's even more important, kind of what you're alluding to is like your legacy. How many people did you touch that you don't even know that you touched? Yeah. It, the legacy is bigger than money. It's bigger than fame. It's bigger than power. It's it's just that connection. How many people did you connect with? And I think for people out there listening, and I'm sure Chris would attest, it's when you provide the value, it's, it's not about you having a million comments, a million likes is you want to just change one person's life that day. Like I tweeted just before this because it was heavy on my heart because you know, all entrepreneurs go through this phase in my opinion where you're like, you know, shit, I'm done. I give up. I can't do this anymore. Today was a hard day. I, I just I don't want to do this. But I tweeted and I said, whatever stage you're at in life, if you're thinking about quitting, don't just keep going. Yeah. And that's been a mantra. Just it's gonna suck. Just keep going. I'm not looking at that of like I want to touch everybody's life. So I'm looking at it as I needed this a few months ago or a few years ago. And Hopefully someone else can take some from now. But when we first started this conversation, you talked about how you messed up in life. And that's why you want to provide so much value. What, what do you mean by that? So I didn't mess up. I have just had a messed up life. Um okay. I don't even if you
1: know the story. Like I know you followed some of the content, but like the the very reader's digest version of this. And trust me, if you want to deep dive, it's all there. <laughs> and send me a DM and like I can get you the blogs and everything, trying to respect Brady's brady's airtime here but, yeah. but the long and the short of it uh, was like i was an accident so my my parents my dad had already done the whole like marriage and kids thing and uh, he was actually getting ready for retirement he was like three weeks out for retirement and had been divorced because he was an abusive drunk with his you know step siblings i've never really met and i've met some of them because of social media and stuff like that and the long story short he was ready to retire and um He married like a trophy wife, you know, 13 years younger than him. And the whole idea was like retire, travel the world. And when they met, she was, you know, 13 years younger. She's like, I just want to be clear. I don't want kids. And he's like, oh, I'm so done with the kids thing. And it was like a match made in heaven, right? They were like, perfect. We hate kids. We're going to go travel. Well, three weeks out from when he was done, he comes home and my mom's like, we got a problem. I was said, problem. So, my whole thing is like as early as five years old, like I was put in the basement of the house at five. Like I, I had the basement of my house. So, when you're five years old, first of all, and you have every, every video game known to man, you got your own fridge full of Sunny D and everything else. Like when you're five, you're like, this is amazing. Now, in hindsight, you're realizing all the, you know, what that really meant. But as early as five years old, I remember my parents arguing upstairs. And them saying like, well, I didn't want this life. Like, I didn't want this kid and everything else. So as early as five, I was starting to put the pieces together that like, I wasn't wanted. And that was an accident.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then my dad had a lot of hatred internally for himself because he was like, damn it. It was like, I had already messed up. I wasn't supposed to do this again. I was supposed to finally be free. So like everyone thought he was drunk and abusive before. <laughs> yeah. Well, now his last chance went out the window, right? So I was abused. A ton as a child, I was hospitalized. my my mom was My mom was abused constantly, and uh, it, it, I was an only child. No, like I just had my mom and my my dad. I didn't know any aunts or uncles because my dad was old as balls, and uh, and just the the way their families were. Every, everyone had passed away. So then my dad died at sixteen. My dad died actually on my sixteenth birthday. Like hospital bed, birthday cake on the edge on the edge of the hospital bed, kind of thing. And then uh, and then my mom, who was like. My everything, you know, especially because when you have an abusive father, and you know he's been hit or I've been hit, like we just grab it. She's been hit or I've been hit. We just gravitate to each other. She's my everything. Well, she kind of had like this PTSD moment when my dad died, and she lost all motor function. Like couldn't talk, couldn't walk, nothing. So like as he's passing away, the intern and it took me years to digest it. But like you know, she's sitting there. and She didn't want this life either. And now her husband's dead, and she's stuck with this kid at, who's sixteen. So in that moment. She has this PTSD moment, can't talk, can't function. I'm sitting there 16, listening to the, the you know, the solid beep. And my mom is a vegetable over on the other side and I've got nobody else. I'm like, now what do I do? Right. So grade 11 that year, like literally grade 11, I would, I would go till lunch. And then at lunch, I would like jog home. I'd take care of my mom. Um, we only had home care, like th- three of the, three of the five business days a week. So like I would run home and I would like, sometimes have to feed my mom. I'd sometimes have to change my mom because there was nobody. And then I'd run back to school and I just keep doing my thing. And I didn't tell anyone because I was embarrassed. I don't know, whatever. Um, Long story short, again, speeding up for time. My mom eventually came out of it, but then at 23 year old, uh, 23 years old, she passed away. And then, and then I was, that, that was it. I was completely alone. Right. So like, I know what it's like to, <laughs> like you see on the Grinch, you know, have you ever seen the movie yeah. the Grinch? Like I've literally been that kid sitting in an empty room, staring at a Christmas tree and there is no one, you know? And uh, that's, that's what I mean by messed up life. Right. And, and there was a moment where I wanted to end it all. Like, well, especially when my mom first passed away, you know, there was, yeah you know obviously inheritance technicalities all, all that stuff so I, I went on a wild spree I was right I was renting cars, brand new cars and like writing them off and like I was the guy at the bar every night because I just I was terrified to be alone so I would pay everyone's bar tab and like just hang out with me hang out, drink with me let's let's party because if I just stayed drunk and having fun I didn't think right right and then it was one morning a couple months after my mom uh passed away and like I was just like like I looked like hell. Like I was just, I was on a path of destruction. I remember I was, it was just like in the movies. I just, I was brushing my teeth, you know, brushing my teeth at the, at the bathroom mirror. And just like in the movies, you know, like head down, brush my teeth, look up. And of course the villain's supposed to be in the background after that. And it was the second time I looked up, I was like, you're just going to be this. You're just going to be this drunken degenerate that is just taxing. You're going to be well-known in your small little town as all oh, that's, that's the orphan kid that lost everyone. And, you know, that's why he's a drunk or that's why he's a meth head or whatever. And I'm like, you're just going to be a taxing pain in the ass to society. And then at 40 years old, you're probably going to put a gun in your gun in your mouth and you're going to end it all anyways. And I'm a very black and white person. Like, I know you're just kidding me. I'm a very, very black and white. Like, you do it or you don't, there's no such thing as excuses. So in that moment, when I acknowledge to myself that I'm probably going to blow my brains out at 40 after I've been a pain in the ass and a nu- nuisance to everyone, I'm like, then just do it now. And literally here was the thought process all in like a span of like 10 seconds. I was like, then do it now, but I don't want to die. Well, then all the bullshit has to stop. And from that day forward, I never had an excuse ever again because it was all on me and I had to save my own life. And there was nobody around to care. It was like, if I had an excuse, I was only bullshitting myself because there's nobody left. Yeah. Right. And and everything changed. And then I realized I'm like, I'm not going to be that 50 year year old that finally loses their parents. And that's where I get an inheritance. And that helps me get the kids off to school and everything else. This was it. This was as much as I was ever going to get. So it was mine to lose, or it was up to me. Right. And then the final layer, which you know, this is a whole other podcast, is like, so if you wanna, if you wanna. I haven't ha- I've never had my cathartic moment to like digest this and I think that's because I keep myself so busy. <laughs> so yeah. who knows maybe at like 50 years old I'll have my cathartic moment just be a crying <laughs> mess. But my 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 whole thing is you know if I strip away all the layers at the end of that at the end of the day I am that kid that understood from a very young age that he was an accident, he wasn't wanted. And internally it's like, I'm hell bent to prove that I was worthy, mm. And I just realized that that's my wiring and there's nothing I can do to turn it off. And I thought getting married, that would shut that off. doesn't shut it off. I thought having kids? That would shut it off. That would be enough. It hasn't shut off. When, when something happens to you at a key point in life, it just ingrains into your DNA. So because of this, I've got this, people are always like, why are you so driven? Why are you so motivated? Like, what do you do? I'm hardwired to win, but not in, not in a super confident way. It's just the way I'm broken.
0: Yep. And it's all on you. That's, that's what you believe.
1: It's all on me. And at the end of the day, I'm this internally, I'm this little kid that's just trying to prove that they should have wanted me because I am something and I'm really good. And, and because of that, no success is ever going to be enough. I'm always going to keep reaching.
0: Yeah, no, that's very powerful. And, and, you know something too that I wanted to ask you about because I, I know you're driven. I know you have kids. You have a family. How did your upbringing with the abuse and the death of both your parents translate into how you balance personal and professional life now?
1: I think I think I'm only the parent. I think I'm only the parent, and the partner that I am now because I absolutely refuse to be anything like him. And the, and that's the weirdest thing in the world is like. You know, like hatred's a strong word, but like certainly don't have any love for the guy whatsoever. But at the same time, this is where life is so interesting. It's like I owe being a good dad and a good and a good husband to him and to the example and the things that he put me through because I'm so there is no world where I ever end up like him. So as a result, you know, when I'm tired or, you know, I'm I'm trying to work and Piper's pulling on my shirt. You know, he is always the reason I'll check myself and be like, yeah, you know what? Let's go. Let's go watch something. Um, let's go do something. Right. Yep. It's um, yeah. I, in a weird, twisted way, I owe everything that I am as a family man to him.
0: And, and this is an even deeper question. Do you think if that wouldn't have happened, you'd be where you're at today? I know I wouldn't be. I I know for a fact and, and trust me, Brady, I think about
1: it often, like, you know, who knows, maybe I'll write a book one day or or whatever, but like, this is not a, like, and this disclaimer, Chris is happy. (laughs) Chris is very happy. (laughs) Like, like, I don't want people to read too much into it. Like, I don't want people to think this is a negative. This is just the reality until you've been in the shoes. You can't really understand it. Like, like I have no, like, I'm, I have to win. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And, and it's it, like, I just don't, I don't, I don't have any other wiring like because of what I went through. It's, um, you, you know, they're never coming back. So that chip on my shoulder is never going to go away. You know? And, and there, there is definitely times where I'm like, when I, when I became the president of Centum, I was like, cool, I'm 35, this is it. Like if I even just plugged in now, put my foot down, blew this company up and just rode that for like even 30 years, you know, like, 25 years, retire at 60, have a ton of money in the bank, be good to go. And it's just, it's, it's never enough. And uh, so, yeah, no, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have this drive, but like, I'm not, I I want people to understand, like, I didn't read a book, you know, I'm not like, I just, I am, I am broken in the most advantageous way. Mm -hmm. And I find a lot of the most successful people are. And like, I don't even rank on that list. But at the same time, I feel confident to say that I owe my, my, my success and a lot of my unique attributes to that trauma. And I think there's a lot of people out there that feel the same way.
0: Yeah. And I just think that's your story and just like you said, you you can't, you can't just read a book and automatically be motivated. I think that's bullshit. I think it's, you you go through stuff and you have two choices. You can quit and say, yep, you beat me. Or you can say, I'm not going to stop and you're not going to beat me. And I can almost venture to guess, Chris, this is not the last time something, what, what can go wrong will go wrong, right? So for people who are like, oh yeah, I'm in a great point in my life, something bad could happen. And are, are you prepared for that? And can you get through it again? And I, I think you can. I think it's this drive that happened at such a young age that you, you've used it for years now and it's it's pushed you pretty high up.
1: Well, and it took, it took me years to realize, thank you for bringing that up because it's something I want to point out. Um, like, kind of an unfair advantage I have. Yeah, and it took me years to say that because before it was like, oh, this bad thing that happened to me. But like, you know, put yourself for anyone listening, put put yourself in my situation from 23 years old. Whenever something bad happened to me, name anything, I've lost everyone I've ever loved. If something bad happens, I was equipped to handle it because guess what? I had always had a worse day than that current day. Yep. And and I didn't realize that was a super it took me a few years that was a superpower because everyone was like, "How are you not a mess right now?" And it's like cuz I hadn't even realized I'd been through worse multiple times. And I wasn't sweating stuff and I was like, "Wow, like I'm pretty cool, and I'm pretty chill in every situation." And then it's like, "No, I've just ran a much worse race than this before." You know, what I mean? and, and then when I started to realize that I started to push my boundaries and when I started to push my boundaries, I was like, I've been right to the edge. Let's go.
0: Yeah. You
1: know, and, uh, and, and yeah, now, now, unfortunately, you know, as you age and stuff like that, now I have a wife, now I have kids, you know, now I'm becoming fearful again because I'm like, Oh, there are things in my world again that yeah. could dethrone the things that have happened in the past. Yeah. And uh, that—that's that's just the new turning point in life. And like, oh, I just got the chills. Like, I don't even want to—I <laughs> don't want to think about it. But, but yeah, it's—you um, know—my trauma and everything that happened to me in life, between the abuse and the loss and the hearing I wasn't wanted and everything—I owe absolutely everything to that. And I'm just broke in the most advantageous way.
0: Yeah. No, I, I think this whole entire story is powerful because I, I think for people out there listening who have lost a loved one, um, gone through failure, whatever the case might be. I mean, the story's not over. You know, it's, it's not the last chapter. It, it can be if you let it. And I think that's the case of that can be the end of your story. That can be the end of the series, whatever you want to call it. But I think too, What's interesting is what you just said, right? Being in the mortgage business, you know, you got to sell, you got to be on, you got to deliver trust, et cetera. We're kind of coming back to that. When you hear no, when you hear people say, hey, you know, screw off, Chris, you suck. You're like, I've been through worse. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. hundred percent. Now, luckily, you know, I'm not slinging the mortgages myself
1: anymore, but right. But, but now, when you were,
0: you know, it's hundred oh,
1: percent. Yeah. You now, nowadays it's like trying to get a brokerage to join our organization, right? Mm-hmm trying to get somebody at a competitor to say, Hey, look, you really want to hang our shingle on the, on the, uh, on the brokerage wall. Yeah. Y- y- you don't sweat it. Like, like what's, what's the worst that could happen? They say, no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 okay. There's a couple thousand others. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and I think, I think people that, that encounter rejection as well. It's like when you are the people that struggle with this, the most are the people that are living a lie, You know what I mean? Like I need this, I need this because I'm trying to oppress these people or I have told myself that this is what the success is defined as. Right. When you get to a point in your life, whether it be age or life experience or something where, you know, us talking about being authentic again, when you just want to be around people that believe what you believe, like-minded individuals that have the same morals, integrity and everything else, And somebody that doesn't quite fit doesn't end up entering your circle. You're all right with that, you know, but you can never have that level of security until you're willing to find out who you are authentically and you're willing to broadcast it and put it out there.
0: Yeah. I I think it's people being self-aware. I think self-awareness is huge of who you are and who you aren't. And um, who do you let into your circle? Who do you not? How do you respond to negative and positive circumstances? Just like what you're saying. I, I think this traumatic experience At the time, you're thinking, I'm never going to get through this. Just like the whole thing. Why don't I just kill myself now? But now looking back, just like you said, how many blessings have been bestowed upon you because of that? So powerful. powerful.
1: And and it's the superpower of like, you have a choice, right? And and that's something I try to talk a lot about in the content. It's like, whether we like it or not in any situation, virtually any situation, think of the most horrific situation that could possibly ever happen to you whether you want to believe it or not, when it first happens, you're going to get those raw emotions, whatever else, but you got to acknowledge the fact that how you react and the decisions you make from then on, you actually have a choice there. Mm -hmm. And that was something, that was my mirror moment. That was my mirror moment, you know, like, because until then it was like, I drink because I want to forget because life screwed me. Life screwed me. Like I didn't deserve this. I was young, you know, and I was, you know, religious beliefs, which I, I had now been reinstated. But in that moment, I was like, there's no way there's a God that strips a kid of everyone they love and leaves them alone in the world. There's no way that's the thing. Right. And it was always like, why me? Why me? This is happening to me. Mm-hmm. My life sucks because of this. And then it was waking up in that moment being like, actually, no, I could choose to see this completely differently. And that's when I started to realize, you know, that's where my entrepreneur journey began. Like I was working for the bank, but like I started an auction site that I had sold off and stuff like that, because suddenly, you know, choosing to see things differently, it was like, well, I have no one, so I'm going to drink myself to death. And then suddenly after I made the choice, it was like, wait a minute, I have no one to put their, put their insecurities on me. They're like, Oh, you got to, you know, put your head down, get that accounting job cl- and put on and work for the man for 30 years and collect that pension and just play it safe. Or, you know, don't do that. That's too risky. Get the secure government job. It was the other way. It was like, I'm drinking. Cause I have no one. And you're like, wait a minute. I have no one to slow me down. Yep. I can chase my dream and there's no so- conservative person that loves me. and just wants what's best for me. That's going to hold me back. Yep. And once that got released, It changed the game, but it all comes down to like, you've got to acknowledge that you have a choice in every single situation.
0: You do No, something that I read recently. Mel Robin said it on a podcast. She said, you, your life is comprised of five second decisions. Yep. You can make the right decision. You can make the wrong decision. And there's no doubt something bad is going to happen to you. It's, it's life. Bad things are going to happen to you, but you have the choice and the decision to react a certain way right? Somebody says, no, you can scream, cuss them out, whatever. Or you can say, that's fine. See ya. We'll go on to the next. And that's such a small example. So I, I think what you're saying is very powerful is like, you do have a choice and people to understand the power they have with that. They think that life is just happening to them and they have no say in it, but you do, you have a choice to how you react. And I think that's very powerful, but Chris, as we close, I think we've talked about a lot of different things um, that are going to be really resonating to the listeners, but let's say you are in a situation to where you're just ready to throw it in. You're ready to throw it in the towel. I can't do this anymore. With as much value as you provide and as much inspiring content as you provide, what do you say to yourself? How do you keep yourself from quitting?
1: That's tough. Cause I know, I know we should go on this big motivational crescendo, right? <laughs> um, but, but this is like, I'll, I'll answer truthfully. And then I'll, and then I'll just give a productive answer that could be used so again listen to the story like I just don't have it I just don't have it in me you know like and uh you know we were talking about Brendan like you've met Brendan and like there's other people on my team and everything else like you know know, Brendan was my videographer he followed me around 24 hours a day he lived in my house right and you know it was after a few weeks where he was like you never have a down moment and I just I, I truly don't like he saw me when the cameras are off you know and it's it's I I just don't, but, but again, that's because of everything that happens. So here's my advice for somebody that, that, that is down. It is acknowledging that whether or not you want to accept it, you do have a choice. And now that's not going to help you in that moment. You're not going to say like, well, I have a choice. You're suddenly going to feel motivated, but as you're down, you have to just keep repeating to yourself. And I know this just sounds really weird. It doesn't sound like it's going to help. But I promise you the next time you're there, just tell yourself, you have a choice. I'll give you an example. So somebody's trying to get into shape, right? They're sitting on the couch and they're, you know, Netflix is so easy. The remote's right there. They see the TV. They just want to reach for it. And then you have that little voice in the back of your head that says, ah, oh, yeah, but you should work out. Then what do we tell ourselves? Because the brain is designed to keep ourselves comfortable, right? Mm-hmm. I had a hard day. I had a hard day. I had a long day. I only had six hours sleep. I deserve the rest and I deserve some relaxation time. Say to yourself, okay, cool, but you had a choice and you chose not to work out. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: That's all you have to say. And just say it to yourself. And yeah, you know what? You might let yourself away with it for a day or two. But on day three or four, if you're like, I'm choosing, because the narrative starts to change internally too, you have to eventually get to the point where you have to say to yourself, well, I guess getting in shape is not important anymore, so I should just scrap it. And that's where the turning point is. It's powerful. Yeah, because the minute you say to yourself, well, I guess I don't want it, there's a little voice in the back that says, no, we do want it. And then if yeah. you keep that accountability train going, you'll eventually fight your way out of it, right? So that's the thing, just acknowledging in every moment, um, give yourself permission to not do something that that society or all the motivational content stuff says you're supposed to do. Give yourself permission not to do it. Only if you're willing to say to yourself, I am choosing not to do this. hmm try that for like a week. And I want to see, I'd love to hear people speak up.
0: <laughs> no, I, I, it's such a small change. Cause I, I do the same thing, right? We're human. There's going to be things we don't want to do, but for me, it's I take a deep breath and I say, okay, I have a five second decision to make. Yeah. I can do it or I cannot. And yeah. when I say that to myself for some reason, I'm like, all right, just, just do it. Brady does. It's, it's okay. It's not a big deal. And then yeah. you do it. And then you instantly feel better right? But then you sit on the couch all day, you watch Netflix, you get up to go to bed, you're like, man, I feel like a piece of shit <laughs> right now. So it's weird how that works. Um, but that's no, very powerful. And I think it's it's just the power in decision-making that you have a choice. It's your life. Uh, you can make it as big or as small as you want to. But Chris, if someone wants to get in touch with you, you know, talk to you about the podcast episode or just ask a question in general, what's the best place to do that?
1: Yeah. Like I assume you'll link it up somewhere, but easiest way is like totally. on all socials. I'm at Chris Turcott, and then an underscore because the guy that owns the actual one without the underscore <laughs> won't respond for the last five years. He's got every handle and he doesn't use any of them. So if anyone knows the Chris Turco underscore, hit him up on my behalf, Find your speed. But jokes aside, that's the easiest way to get a hold of me. And like I tell everyone, they never believe me. Uh, I respond to every single DM and I have for nine years. So it's like you don't believe me?
0: Try me. Awesome. I love it, guys. Reach out to Chris. Let him know what you thought about the episode. And uh, Chris, appreciate your time, man. Awesome. Thanks, Brady. Thank you for listening to the Entrepreneurism Podcast. We post episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 4 a.m. Central Time. We would greatly appreciate if you would head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating and review. I'm Brady Morgan, your host. We'll see you next time.